From bloated and tired to free and inspired, welcome to Free and Inspired Radio with Philip Watkins, your weekly dose of everything digestion and mental health related. We hope you enjoy this episode. Here is your host, Philip Watkins. Yes, yes. Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Free and Inspired Radio. I'm your host, a naturopathic practitioner, Philip Watkins, and I'm grateful to have you with us today. If you're new to the show, well, the title says it all. It's all about feeling free and inspired and exploring the many different avenues you can take to get there, whether it's deep dives on digestion and mental health solutions or guests who offer their own stories and answers. I hope I can be the type of guide you can rely on to unlock the agency you have to reach your own mental and physical competency. Let's get started with what's coming up on today's episode. Coming up on this week's show. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to episode 55 of Free and Inspired Radio. A little bit of a break last week. I was taking a little bit of a rest, so thank you for your patience in getting me getting back on track with a new episode here. It's episode 55 of Free and Inspired Radio. I hope you have a great two weeks. I hope if you live in Hong Kong, you've had particularly enjoyed Chinese New Year. This week, in a slight departure from our usual content, I'm going to be looking at one of the most common problems that people over 40 encounter, which is mild fatty liver. Now, we talk a lot about the digestion and mental health here on Friend Inspired Radio, but the accessory organ to the digestion is the liver. So we're not too far off, but mild fatty liver is definitely a thing, and that's what we're going to explore. And there are some nuances to it. There's some better ways of getting it tested. And I'm going to go through some of the main Uh, dietary things you can do as well as some of the best researched nutritional and herbal interventions for fatty liver so stay tuned most of my male patients over 40 report a diagnosis of mild fatty liver now the prevalence of non-alcoholic fatty liver which is its kind of technical name if you like has been significantly underestimated currently around a third of the world's population is thought to have some form or degree of fatty liver in asia the prevalence of fatty liver is also significantly rising one study from 2022 stated that non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is a significant health problem as a once low prevalence has now increased to 35%, which is aligned with the global tally, which you'll be surprised to know wasn't always the case in Asia. Initially, fatty liver is asymptomatic, so symptoms-wise, this lack of apparent kind of uh, symptom, for example, means that many won't actually know it's even developing. Based on this and the possibility that fatty liver may occur despite normal liver function tests, several studies have shown that there's a huge underdiagnosis of fatty liver, which is, as you'll hear, is a really big problem. Most men who attend my clinic remember to tell me at the end of their initial or second session that they have mild fatty liver. And I keep using mild fatty liver on purpose because it's basically how it gets described to patients. Now, in this article, um, 
we're going to go through you know a bunch of uh, different things and we're going to break down what fatty liver is how it's diagnosed why you need to know about it early and the best tests to do beyond your blood exams and finally as i mentioned what evidence says about how natural medicine can help now in some unfortunate cases just a comment about mild fatty liver is as far as it goes when it takes comes to taking some action and until recently, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease has been the preferred definition. However, fatty liver for most is primarily a metabolic issue. So this is also a bit of an issue when you just get mild fatty liver because you don't really know how it's been caused. You're not an alcoholic, for example. I hear that a lot. Now, I don't drink that much. Why is my liver a problem? But we've discussed that around 35% of people globally have a fatty liver to some degree. And in people living with obesity, this prevalence can increase to over 50%. So one in two people who are considered obese uh, will most likely have fatty liver, which is obviously a higher than higher statistic than the one in three. These statistics have the international consensus recommending a new term now, metabolic associated fatty liver disease. And another particularly appropriate statistic in this case is that those with metabolic associated fatty liver disease have a twofold risk of developing type 2 diabetes and I was looking for the reference where I caught this and I couldn't find the paper amongst all of it but there was um, anecdotally now because I, I couldn't reference it there was a paper that I read I think um, a couple of years ago in my old role as a director of education I was writing about fatty liver at the time and there was a paper that basically said that Fatty liver is overtaking type 2 diabetes as the main disease of abundance. And the reason why is because the majority of people with fatty liver are pre-diabetic. And they consider now fatty liver to be a precursor or a predictor of uh, diabetes or type 2 diabetes. So my interpretation of this is that there could be a third of the world's population who are unknowingly pre-diabetic. And that kind of really, you know, it sounds quite intense and I don't mean to sound alarmist or overly exaggerated about it, but if I see an overweight male uh, over 40 in the clinic, I can expect some form of fatty liver, which is kind of crazy, isn't it? So how can you check your liver if you feel like you have a fatty liver? So I mentioned earlier that typically fatty liver is asymptomatic and there is evidence to suggest that people with fatty liver generally have a poorer quality of life. So for some people, you may not realize, uh, you know, may not find out until you have your blood tests, but others, um, there can be some daytime sleepiness. Now, how many people do you know, maybe yourself included, that have some daytime sleepiness? The study released in 2022 found that people with fatty livers commonly experience sleepiness during the day. Then this daytime drowsiness is one of the reasons that there are poor health-related quality of life markers with fatty liver. And aside from that, I mean, the more subjective symptoms, which other things could cause, let's be honest, most people, as I mentioned, learn about their fatty liver from their annual blood test. Now, within the liver function panel, three liver enzymes marked as ALT, AST, and GGT. Um, they, they, these markers will often appear elevated, and the ALT marker in particular is a signature of fatty liver. 
Now, this is where there seems to be a crossroads when it comes to the underdiagnosis. So for some cases, these mildly elevated markers will result in a comment of mild fatty liver, and that's it. Let's recheck things, how things are going next year. And that's uh, often one, one of the things you might hear. Now, natural medicine sees these tests a little differently. Not better, just differently. Now, in our modality, we look at blood tests to help diagnose things that need attention, and in some cases, referral. And more importantly, in the context of our fatty liver conversation, we look at trends that could help us catch something early. So referring back to the elevated ALT, AST, and GGT enzymes, generally if we see these trending above 20 across the board, so I'm using a standardized parameter there, um, mainly US uh, or um, UK-based uh, parameters for pathology. So over 20, we tend to take action even though the markers are considered normal in a pathological sense. Now, why is this the case? Well, the first reason is simple. Uh, prevention is the best form of cure, and I'm sure you'll agree. The second reason is if we see these markers trending above 20 now, where might they be in six months or next year when the annual next annual check comes around? Now, fortunately, instead of rushing into treatment at this point, we can do some more testing where you can define what a mild fatty liver actually means. And you can do this using a special kind of ultrasound called a fibroscan. Now, fibroscan is one of the many different ways you can do this, but it's a preferred method for myself and my colleagues at IMI in Hong Kong. And now a fibroscan can help us find out two things. The first is a percentage of how fatty the liver really is. The second thing represents how the fatty liver has progressed into a more serious place called fibrosis. In short, fibrosis represents the potential of the fatty liver to move into something called non-alcoholic steatohepatitis or NASH. NASH is classically harder to reverse and also where cancer and cardiovascular risk derived from fatty liver goes up quite exponentially. Now, normally, or I say normally, but two decades ago, it used to take quite a while for fatty liver to progress into NASH. And I believe, once again, just off the top of my head, I'd have to reference this data, but from memory, you're looking around about five to 10 years for that progression now in 2023, 22, um, so to speak, the last couple of years, I think that there's now shortened to three to five years for the progression and quicker in other cases, depending on diet. So from a diagnostic and treatment point of view, when you use a fibroscan, it's then possible to have a clearer idea of which interventions are necessary. For example, those whose fibroscan results show over half of their liver to be fatty, which is quite common, dietary measures and natural medicine prescriptions as a combination might be necessary to get the best results. And treatment of fatty liver is our next subject, and that's exactly where we're going to be looking at after the break here on Free and Inspired Radio. Thanks for tuning in. We won't be long. We'll be back more with back with more around treatment for fatty liver. Stay with us. Woo! Time to take a break. Are you enjoying this episode of Free and Inspired Radio? There's no better time to take back your personal health sovereignty. If you want to connect with more free and inspired episodes, 
simply subscribe to your favorite podcast platform or visit the website at www.philipwatkins.health for more information. Let's get back to the show. Yes, yes, welcome back to episode 55 of Free and Inspired Radio. Thanks for hanging out over the break. We're looking at fatty liver today and all this week. And as a recap in part one, one in four people is expected to have some form of fatty liver globally. And in part one of the show, we looked at a critical way to make sure your diagnosis is precise. Now, let's look at the treatment. So ideally, if it is a parallel issue where weight loss should be a primary aim. Now, for some, it's not as, you know, kind of not as simple as just saying, you know, it's just going away and getting it done as far as weight loss is concerned. So let's deconstruct some of the more practical recommendations. So weight loss, uh, according to the studies, weight loss equal to 5% improves liver fat and liver enzymes. So remember in part one, we talked about the ALT, AST, and GGT, those enzymes. So if you lose 5% of your body weight, you can improve the liver fat and the liver enzymes. Weight loss equal to or above 7%, particularly equal to 10% or above, saw NASH resolution, so the progression of fatty liver, and fibrosis improvement as well. So important note is that in this previous study where the weight loss equal to or over 10%, the lifestyle changes were prescribed for one year. This is a common one with fatty liver. I see some great results with natural medicine and fatty liver. Normally, six months is a minimum. So there you go. So if you're looking into trying to use natural medicine to help with fatty liver, do be prepared to play the long game on this one. It does take a little bit of time. And as I said, you know, it is one of those things that's easier said than done, isn't it? But what's one of the vital things to do regarding weight loss, specifically for fatty liver? Well, sometimes the first thing is to get a clearer idea of the goal. For example, if your current weight is 80 kilograms, then 10% equals 8 kilograms. But 5%, as I said, 5% can affect the fatty part of the liver and the liver enzymes, 5% would equal 4 kilograms. So when it comes down to it, you know, it doesn't have to be so overwhelming. You can just aim for a goal that is evidence-based and can also be a little more achievable, right? You lose one kilo a month even, uh, and you're, you know, only four to six months away from achieving what you're looking for. So the big evidence-based dietary change that seems to be agreed upon to help with fatty liver is restricting dietary sources of fructose or fruit sugar. Now, I'm going to really try and differentiate here, you know, how best to do this, but consumption of fructose in people with fatty liver was nearly two to three times higher than healthy controls when studied in 2008. Now, high levels of fructose in the Western diet come from high fructose corn syrups used in soft drinks and other processed foods. And out of all of the sugars, fructose seems to trigger the generation of fat cells in the body the most. So high levels of fructose can also lead to inflammation in the liver as well. So your natural inclination is to ask what foods are high in fructose. So the levels of fructose depend on which region you're in around the world, for example, 
fructose is one of the most commonly used sweeteners in the USA. Uh, other fruits and vegetables such as watermelon and apples contain high levels of fructose. However, apples also have other compounds such as pectin and some soluble fibers, which research has shown to correct fatty liver in animals. So let's just start simply here. Uh, if you were to honestly assess the number of soft drinks and sweetened foods that you eat and found your daily consumption to be reasonably high or frequent, then this is the first place to start. Now, if you don't consume many of, of these types of sweetened foods or beverages at all, uh, then it's time to look a little closer at your fruit and vegetable consumption. Now, I rarely recommend taking fructose out of people's diets for longer than six weeks, but even four weeks should be good enough. Now, I'm just going to repeat that. I rarely recommend taking fructose out of people's diets for longer than six weeks, and four weeks should be enough. Do not think that this is a lifelong thing. It shouldn't be more than a month or, or a month and a half even because there are very important sources of fiber in these fructose-based foods and apples is a good example. We just touched on it, right? So if you're looking at, if you haven't got the soft drinks and stuff like that in your diet and you're thinking maybe I do have a lot of fruits or a lot of fruit fructose, then just do it in a short burst and please do not continue it for longer than four to six weeks, six weeks being the maximum. Alcohol is also a significant consideration here, right? I mean, do I need to mention it? Um, mainly though, it's actually down to the things that we mix our alcohol with. So cocktails, for example, and my Australian listeners, bourbon and coke, right? That's an easy one, um, very common uh, and it's stuff like this. So it's not necessarily as much of the alcohol than it is the mixers but sure it's the alcohol as well right but hey let's just try and be diplomatic at least now once the diet is under control herbal and nutritional measures can also help and let's look at two of the best ones according to the evidence here so or at least the evidence i could find and what i see in the clinic so berberine is a constituent found in numerous different herbs around the world uh, berberine is one of my favorites for fatty liver um, and as if you're a regular listener to the show you'll probably know that I have a lot of favorites now originally it's berberine's use has been widespread in natural medicine for having a positive effect on the microbiome we actually use it as an antimicrobial uh, to help rebalance people's bacterial environments in their gut but to give you a sense of how long berberine has been in use there are records of its use in traditional Chinese medicine for over 3,000 years that's crazy so in the terms of our fatty liver, berberine reduces ALT and AST levels in type 2 diabetes patients. In another study, 184 patients with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease were given berberine and lifestyle interventions over 16 weeks or 4 months. And researchers looked at another group using just lifestyle intervention on its own and another using a drug called piogliatazone. I wonder if I pronounced that right. Let me know in the comments. Um, and that was studied, all groups were studied simultaneously. Now, berberine and lifestyle changes reduce the amount of fat in the liver and improve body weight compared to the other groups. This is a great example of how dietary intervention and herbal medicine can work together. 
And I'm sure with the rapid introduction of the metabolic-associated fatty liver disease or the metabolic version of fatty liver, that berberine will become more of a cornerstone of successful treatment. And if you're interested in berberine, I'm going to do one one of my most prescribed shows on berberine because it literally is one of the most, um, gosh, I prescribe it a lot. And for different reasons too, but also it's one of those cool uh, kind of herbal compounds, if you like, that it is has been shown to be as effective as some pharmacy. So that's going to be a really fun episode they're going to put together soon. Um, a lesson known, let's kind of keep going. The second one, uh, the second kind of nutritional intervention we can use for fatty liver is a lesser known form of vitamin E called Delta Delta tocotrienols and this this form of vitamin E has significant effects on fatty liver. Now I got put onto delta tocotrienols via a lecture I attended in Nashville, Tennessee presented by the esteemed biochemist Barry Tan. I don't think I could mention delta tocotrienols without mentioning Barry Tan aside from being one of the people I never miss at a conference um, Barry Tan has donated almost three decades of his life to fat soluble vitamins so if you're unsure what a fat soluble vitamin is it's vitamin A, D, E and K and um, he is beyond an expert and uh, one of those things that he's studied is how to improve vitamin E absorption and benefit so a source of vitamin E from Anato uh, called delta tocotrienols has remarkable effects on fatty liver. Over 24 weeks, so that's around six months, uh, 35 people used delta tocotrienols compared to 36 people who used a placebo. So an equal amount of people in both groups. And the results showed a significant change in favor of in favor of the vitamin E group compared to the placebo in not only the ALT and AST enzymes that we've touched on for your blood test, but also the inflammation in the liver as well. So that's pretty good. And I'll have to say that I have definitely seen the delta tocotrienols and combination with berberine works some wonders for people over the course of three to six months and you know the blood often never lies right so what's the moral of the story here if you've been told that you have mild fatty liver then it's an excellent opportunity to ask a few more questions or even get things investigated more thoroughly to find out exactly how fatty now, we've seen that there are things you can do to reverse the process and take control of your mild fatty liver using a combination of the proper testing, diet, and natural medicine. You don't have to wait and see if things get worse in your next annual exam. So, what do you think? Fatty liver is definitely something I see in the clinic at least once a day. And for those who are either bloated, full and tired or sleepless, stressed and sad, it's one of the critical things to fix for a stable platform of success. And I hope this has helped a little bit. So before we finish this Free and Inspire Radio episode, if you would love to hear more from me and get the word on new articles, podcast episodes and more, jump over to the website philipwatkins.health and join our community via the newsletter and that you can sign up on the homepage for a free ebook on probiotics and the brain. They're called Psychobiotics. And there's a nice new ebook there waiting with your name on it. If you want to sign up and join our community, that's our way of saying thank you and welcoming you in 
Your reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify help me get the word on the street. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, throw the video a like and subscribe to see when each new podcast is uploaded. Please, as always, if you have any questions about anything that you've listened to, throw a comment and I will get in uh, and get back to you as best I can. Now, I want to send shouts to the show listeners who get this far. This show is about helping you to find the freedom to feel inspired again. I hope this gets you one step closer. And until next week, don't forget to take care of yourself and those around you. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Free and Inspired Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. You made it to the end. This show is all about you, and we hope you finished this episode feeling one step closer to feeling free and inspired. We'll be back next week, but if you want to know more about Philip, please catch a digital flight to www.philipwatkins.health for further details about how we might be able to help. In the meantime, have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, and we'll see you for another episode next week.